Hello, and welcome to the Baba Yaga Project. The Baba Yaga Project is a weekly podcast and blog project exploring the ritualized year, history, and folklore. I'm Sonia, and I'm doing a PhD in medieval history. And I'm Devin, and I have a master's in American history with a focus on indigenous studies. This week, it is the finale, the end of our trilogy, the pièce de résistance, which is part three, the witchening. <laughs> yes, the witchening. Well, I, for one, am very excited. We finally have reached apogee. We have reached the height of the witch series. Mini series <laughs> featuring witches. Yes. I don't know. Well, we are still in North America for this one. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to hand it over to you, Devin, because once again, <laughs> I'm like, sure, Salem. There were, they were doing some stuff there. But, you know, I think they you could give were. me a little more, more <laughs> info on that beyond, you know, the baseline what whatever I learned in the Crucible, which <laughs> uh, yeah, because the Crucible was, in, was actually about the 1950s. Yeah, and also case I, I wasn't the best high school student all the time. I definitely didn't pay a hundred percent attention to that yeah, one. Yeah, that was about uh, McCarthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, there were Puritans, and they did think there were witches. Uh, they and uh, Salem was a thing that happened. Um, so yeah, so we'll start with like a, a review of some of the things that we talked about in the last episodes. Um, if you want some more context for this and you haven't listened to the previous episodes about witches, um, you can go back and check those out. We've got a really great one where Sonia talks about witches in Europe. Uh, there's one where I lay out sort of the background of witch beliefs that come to a head in North America and how we get to the actual witch crazes that I'm going to talk about here. Um, This doesn't have all of North American uh, witch beliefs sort of explained in this episode. I'm going to talk about two sort of specific witch crazes. Um, So we're not going to talk about like magic beliefs uh in like the south in particular so we're not going to talk about hoodoo or voodoo um or some other things that i mentioned in the last episode so if you're interested in those things um maybe in the future we'll talk about them slash uh there's some really great text out there that you can look up and learn more about that um today we're going to talk about uh, salem in particular and then um a little bit about the 19th century indigenous uh, witch trials, in particular the witch trials at Seneca. So get ready for that. It's happening now. All Buckers. right. Buckle your seatbelts. Ready to go. All right. So we can get going now. Yeah. So just to review again, um, Puritans uh, were the quote-unquote pilgrims that came to North America. Um, That is the dominant Euro-Western culture that we're going to be sort of exploring here uh, to refresh everyone's memories on what they were thinking. They were basically like 
too hardcore into thinking that everyone was evil and everything that people did was evil to stay in Europe. So... Yeah, that's very fair. That's why they left, because they were like, all these heathens are, like, dancing and wearing garish colors and having pictures of Jesus around. They are having fun occasionally, I hear. Holidays are happening. We can't have any of that. So Horrendous. let's I can see why they had to let's leave. Let's bounce and go and live in the I would new world. Yeah, so uh this fundamental basis of a lot of this like Calvinist ideology is that everyone is evil and or that you don't know if you're evil and damned to hell for all eternity. So like Yeah. There's also um this belief amongst all sort of like European originating Amer- uh sorry European originating Christians that the literal devil actually lives in North America. There is some disagreement about where his actual address is, like where on the continent he physically is, but <laughs> don't laugh. He's literally there. Um, I just, I, I'm just now imagining them being like, ah, yes, Satan, Lucifer, that man of no fixed address. <laughs> yeah, he's just a vagabond on the highway. Well, so the the disputes are like, right? Um, and we talked about this briefly. Is that the the Puritans are like the devil is here and he is amongst us. Um, yes. So were a, a lot of the Spanish uh, in what is now like New Mexico, Mexico, Texas area. Um, they were also like the devil is amongst us. Um, that at first they weren't really so much. But then uh, when more and more indigenous people started being like, I don't know why you think you can control us. They were like, clearly you're possessed by the devil. And he lives over Uh in yonder woods. Uh, In Quebec and uh, like the French territories, there were just like too many Jesuits who, you know, had like a lot of formal education. And they were like, I guess people have said that the devil lives here, but like... I haven't seen him, and I haven't seen a lot of evidence, so... And then a lot of the, like, French colonists were... uh, They just weren't very good at going to mass, and also just didn't care very much. Uh, And they had so much uh, interaction with indigenous people that they didn't actually think that all the indigenous people were evil, so... That's uh that's why we have like different people and different levels of anxiety about magic led to different understandings of where exactly the devil was living in North America. But it was pretty much understood that like, yep, that's where he went. Uh cuz they drove him out of Europe with the snakes theoretically. I don't know. Um and so the and we also have right there is an indigenous north american conception of magic there is magic to be done um but it isn't like the european conception of magic at this time so it's um about harnessing the spirits 
around you. Um, there's a balance between good and evil, uh, whether or not what you're doing is considered like witchery or like sortilage has to do with the intention, whether or not you're using this magic to cause harm, but the actual magic is right. not inherently evil. So very different from what the Puritans are thinking, which is that like, you have signed your name in the devil's book and he has taken your soul and in return given you earthly goods and demonic powers. Sounds like a good time to me, but uh, you know, I guess it's not for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Goody Proctor dancing with the devil. Dost thou wish to live deliciously? <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, so, uh, so the period that we're looking at is the 17th century, so the 1600s. Um, and if you were an English mm -hmm. colonial, uh, this was not a great time for you. It just, it wasn't, it was not a dope time. Uh, really for like, for anyone really at the time, because, uh, if you were an indigenous person, then, um, it was about to be a real bad time for you as well because of the English colonists. So what, <laughs> so what's happening. Yeah, that makes sense. What's happening in this period is the, which we did go over before, right? And we've also talked about this with, um, the Thanksgiving episode. So if you want some context on some particular atrocities, um, we talk about those with Thanksgiving. Um, what we're going to be looking at is the later half of the 17th century, which comes towards the end of what we talked about in the Thanksgiving episode. So, right, the beginning of the 16th century, like the 16th, sorry, of the 17th century with like the 1630s, the colonists show up, it's winter, they're starving, they're like, what do we do? Um, and a few of the leaders from the Wampanoag society come and help them out. And the colonists are like, great, thank you so much. Let's, and the next year they're like, let's have a feast and invite some of the Wampanoag people. Things are pretty chill. Uh, then there's a dispute. A colonist is killed. Um, it is not totally clear from the historical record who actually did the murdering, but the colonists seem pretty sure that it was done by one of the Wampanoags. Um, and so when the Wampanoag leaders don't let them have said suspect for trial, because like they're not part of your colony, we will deal with it. Uh, the colonists then raid and destroy many a village. Um, which creates just a lot of tensions, like hundreds of people die, it's a bad scene. And then what happens later is that um, the leader of the Wampanoags die, his son becomes one of the like chieftains, um, his name is Metacom, or uh, Philip is the name that he uses with the white peoples. Um, and he is like, this is not chill. 
And he wants to seek, like, a new no. piece with... Definitely not. Like, a, a new setup, right, mm-hmm. with the colonials. Obviously, I am, like, reducing this down to really, really simplistic terms. This is one of the most complicated and bloody periods of North American history um, and frames the way that Euro-Western, particularly Anglo-Americans, understand interactions with indigenous people until today, right? This war in particular. So this ends up becoming known as King Philip's War. So he's, like, seeking a new deal a new agreement of how they're going to continue to conduct trade how they're going to like where borders of different things are going to be happening what the colonists have rights to all of this stuff uh medicom slash philip is trying to work this out and the colonists are like in order to do this you have to give us all of your firearms so that you cannot kill any more colonists and they're like why would we do that that is not okay. No, we're not going to do that. Um, they also wanted colonial law to extend to the Wampanoag and essentially to all indigenous people in the area. Um, they hanged three Wampanoag men for the murder of another Wampanoag man, man which, like, sh- you know, the Wampanoags were like, we should have been able to handle this. I don't know why you're dealing with this at all. Um and because of yeah. that, that's really the the breaking point in these like negotiations, sort of um, the tensions, tensions really reach a breaking point. And there are three years of raids on both sides. Um, it is considered the bloodiest conflict in North American history. Um, and the colonists right. also are attacking not just the Wampanoags who they have a direct conflict with, but also indigenous people, the Ninagasset, who were neutral in this dispute. So this is a dispute that's going from, it's all of New England, so from uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, up through Maine and into Quebec territories. Um, It's creating just like massive turmoil in the area. Hundreds of people are dying. on both sides and like just whole towns wiped out essentially in these like raids um so there's also like there is no concept of like people who are not like non-combatants in this sense right it's just like we're going to raid through your town and that's how it's working on on both sides of this conflict it's really horrifying um and so yeah. in the colonial uh, arena, what ends up happening is you have a lot of children without families or financial support, especially young girls and women who are like hidden in basements or root cellars or whatever uh, when raids were starting. Um, yeah. And also like elderly women. So... These are young women and girls who have no clear way to secure a marriage, which at that time is obviously not like for because I I love you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. It's a financial agreement, right? Um, A transaction. And without a dowry or a family to speak for this woman, 
or yeah. young girl even like she does not have a way to secure a financial future for herself and so that puts a, a lot of girls that are becoming women within this like time span because we're looking from the the conflict is starting in 1675 it goes to 1678 but the witch trials happen in the 1690s so these are a lot of girls who are orphaned very young and growing into womanhood um into the in the 1690s and um sorry, are taken on by other family members or friends of family, yeah. but those people don't have the means to, like, provide a dowry or really to speak to say, yeah. like, her children would be supported if something happened to a husband or, or anything. Like, essentially, they're the husband's family yeah. would be taking yeah. on only a financial burden in that situation, which is not really what you want out of a marriage. You want, you know, transfer yeah. of land or property that she's going to come with a dowry and movable property and all of these things um, so that yeah. it's more of not an equal exchange, right? Because she's part of the property that's being exchanged. But like, yeah, exactly. that the husband's family is going to get something yeah. out of it other than another mouth to feed and the mouths of the children to feed again. So um, also then you have elderly women whose families have been killed so they're not a support towards a family they are again another burden they're not producing children this is a very like a society yes. in which women are perceived as homemakers and child producers um and so elderly women who are no longer having children and also don't have a family that they live with um, you know, as a grandmother figure or something are seen yep. as very suspicious. Like, what is she, what is, what is her purpose even? Um, and so you're putting that on top of a climate of fear, um, actual fear for like of physical violence, also a belief in actual devils living in the land surrounding you and that perhaps the indigenous people who have been attacking you are those actual devils. Um, and what you get is witch trials. Yeah. This idea that the bad stuff is happening because there are witches. Um, there's also another factor that could either be working with, against, in tandem, however, with, uh, in this general climate of like horrifying war has been happening, everything is destabilized. Um, is that the coastal yeah. towns, specifically Salem, this like town of Salem, the city of Salem, um, are becoming places of trade and technology rather than what they had been, which was like a farming center or like a market for right. farmers to exchange goods. It's now becoming like a mercantile center. It's a massive port. Um, yeah. At this time, it's the largest port. Um in New England. So it's, it's like a huge deal. Um, and what that what comes with that is a disparity in wealth and capital between the people in the city of Salem and the surrounding villages. So there's this, the town of Salem and then there's the village of Salem. Um, and that's going to come into play when we start talking about this. But there's a disparity in wealth and capital um, between the people yeah. in the port town and the people who are farming in the surrounding villages. Um, 
And if you take into context the fact that the devil was supposed to grant you earthly goods if you signed his book, um, the fact that these people are making so much more money and making money from a system that a lot of the farmers don't necessarily understand or that is new to the region, uh, that also can lead into this. Another thing with the actual earthly goods is um, is that uh, during King Philip's War and the conflicts that come afterward, as with all wars, there are the people who benefit financially. Um, so the those who trade firearms, who are trading goods or services that are linked to conflict, also the people whose um, competitors are yeah. killed and or their goods are destroyed or, you know, some calamity happens to the competitors. Um, that adds to this culture of, of fear and suspicion. So what we have here is, right, actual threat of physical yeah. violence and that fear. The religious fear of actual literal devils and then fear and suspicion surrounding right. capital markets and the exchange of goods and how that is working in the face of those other things um and then also the gendered element of women without secure futures who are going to have to be taken care of by somebody and how they might be either inheriting wealth um, because at this point in time women could inherit things so especially in the market towns you have women inheriting businesses or land yeah. from husbands who are killed in conflict uh, nieces inheriting things it's it's really really complicated um, but if you do look at who is targeted as a witch um, a lot of them are the women who inherited goods whose family like who inherited you know material wealth or whose family did really well because of the conflict or right. um they were accused by people whose families were competitors who were knocked out because of the conflict there's or and and the the, the first set of um Accusations actually come from a man in Salem Village who was a farmer accusing a merchant within the town of Salem. So you see a lot of these tensions and how it like becomes this frenzy of like, well, if that person's a witch and that's how they're getting their goods, then this other person's definitely a witch because their house was spared by the raid and like everybody else died. And like, you know, and that's sort of where this uh, craze and frenzy of the witch trials, because it happens over the course of a year, really uh, develops in right. North America. And it's the largest uh, witch trial in North America. And um, it's one of the latest for Euro-Westerners, um, because in Europe, right, the yeah. witch trials weren't really happening yeah exactly by the late 17th uh, century Europe by the was late like, you know, 17th century we're done right? with this we're tired they had pretty much fizzled out it was an early 17th century deal 
Okay, so from there, um, we should pretty much know the basic story of Salem um, about a, I think it's like 200 people were at various times accused and um, around 20 went to trial and I think 17 in total were hanged. Um, It was a bad scene. Um, Almost all of the people who did go through the trial and were like prosecuted were women. There was one man um, and yeah, that's the the basic gist of Salem. Um, but there, so the main thing that we get from like uh, the historical discussion about Salem is how did this happen in a seemingly reasonable society? Like, why did they kill a bunch of people for witchcraft that wasn't proved? And a lot of people, historians, you know, are try and talk about like, oh, well, they must have been poisoned or have something that caused like mass hallucinations, uh, which just there isn't really any historical evidence for that. And given the fact that like there have been histories of, you know, witch crazes everywhere and in various communities, every every culture that has yeah. a witch belief has had some form of witch craze and like trial era like this. So um, normally, what you look for in sort of figuring out why at this time in this particular place is the um, the belief in witches, first of all that like witches can cause serious and physical harm to people in the real natural world and two that there is some sort of destabilizing force that is affecting the community um and that some of those like the results of that destabilization could be blamed on witches um and as i think like i've hopefully made clear the end of the 17th century for colonists as well as for the indigenous people who were living around them was incredibly destabilizing. It was a horrific time. Um, And add to that, you know, like changing economic systems and the sort of general cycle of life in an agrarian society where, you know, you're depending on the like production of your own land and hands for food like it is just with that level of violence you know it was a a tender box for yeah and then like add the religious fervor and belief in actual devils like it was just a, a kind of a matter of time like I don't see Salem as being particularly unusual in the fact that there was a witch trial given the context under which they were existing and operating. Um, It is later than, you know, most of Europe would be and is kind of unusual because they're English settlers and England doesn't have the history that, like, say, Germany did, but they definitely did have a significant witch culture. it, I think, would be yeah. more surprising if there was, you know, a witch craze in 
Quebec or France or, uh, you know, uh, Italy, another heavily Catholic country that was at this period, like, rather stable. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would be... I do... Like, I don't know if you know about this, but I do wonder then, like, do you think it's part of the reason why England doesn't have all these witch crazes, despite being, like, a Protestant country, is because a lot of their more, shall we say, zealous people did just, like, leave? Like, you have Puritans, um, like, people who maybe would be more well, so inclined think to think in those ways England... and react in those ways leave and be, go to a colony. I think, yeah, possibly they had, um, there, there was like a significant exodus because of the colonization, um, of like the most fervent Protestant believers. Also, I think that you have more of the issue of like what was happening in France or Spain at the period, you know, where it's a unified society that is in conflict over whether or not they're going to be Catholic or Protestant, rather than whether or not it's witches. So, like, Spain and France had more, like, Inquisition histories, and right. England has, like, a significant history of, you know, like, persecution of Protestants when a Catholic was in control, right. and then of Catholics when Protestants were in control. It's more of that dispute, whereas, like, in Germany and the other, like, Prussia at this time, what becomes Germany, the various states there, like, were pretty much Protestant, yeah. and the destabilization within their society has to do with that and the beliefs of, like, it's within a unified religious belief, right? Um, so there's, I think there's that part. Um, right. I think also what comes into play is that uh, England really, like, once once England is sort of, like, re-stabilized after their civil war, after their civil war, you know, um, that's a little bit later than, uh, like, the unification of Spain and France with like, when they were having their inquisitions. Yeah. Um, so you have England sort of reunify as a Protestant country around the time of the Enlightenment. And this really does affect the U.S. as well, because these, uh, or what becomes the U.S. as well, because these Enlightenment ideas make it very quickly, get taken up very quickly by um, Anglo-Protestants in England and are brought to North America. And part of the Enlightenment was very okay. much about having a legalistic society. And in order to do that, you had to have very strict courts right. that relied on physical evidence in order to prosecute crimes. And that's what really undoes a lot of the witch right. beliefs in North America. Um because, like, you'll notice before when I said, like, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, witch craze or witch mania or even witch trials in, like, Quebec, for example. That was because it was a small, small yeah. population. Um, 
And it wasn't so much that they were Catholic and so didn't believe in witches. It was just that they didn't think that witches had the power that like Protestants necessarily thought that they did. So, you know, there could have right. been a trial. I mean, there were two trials in Quebec and there was like yeah, a witch were, belief. It's yeah. just that the fear and the paranoia wasn't the same. And the witch belief that you had, right. As you go into the 18th century, I mean, even in the early 18th century in these Anglo Protestant communities, like not even 20 years after Salem, there is not a belief in witches at all in most of them. And it's because yeah. when they continue to hold trials, but need the standard yeah. of evidence for these new enlightenment uh, legal yeah. systems, you just, you can't prove that somebody's a witch, right? They're just, you, yeah, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> so, you, you can't. So they were just like, <laughs> well, clearly this is not a real thing. And this, we were dumb. And that actually does end up coming into play because there are still in North America witch trials and witch crazes that happen into the mid-19th century. And where those trials and crazes are happening is in indigenous territories. So... Right. Um, right, outside of this, like, weird Puritan bubble... Um, where there was, like, this fanatic witch moment, um, most of the English settlers who were more chill, and specifically in the South, uh, where there's, like, the big plantations and, like, the sort of, like, uh, enlightenment gentlemen, you know, the founding fathers. Yes. Uh, the, that society. Very rational yeah, the, men who believe yeah, in Yeah, so science. the society that produces the founding fathers, uh, they very quickly just sort of like abandoned the idea of witchcraft at all. Um, yeah. And so like the, the witch craze sort of like died out pretty quickly. Um, but that doesn't mean that, and society became really stable for settlers in like the, on the eastern seaboard in the the British colonies, right? Uh, for the settlers, it was just, like, it was super chill. And then, like, the uh, war for independence happens. It, they become states. That was really destabilizing. But again, they had moved past witches. So, like, wasn't going to be a witch craze out of that. But even with everything that was happening... Uh, with the formation of a new country, it wasn't, it was, it was specific legal and economic things that felt off to them, right? Like we're going to build a new country. Right. We have to figure out how taxation works. These are like hard concrete things. The places and the people who were yeah. having another, uh, experience like the people in Salem were having are the indigenous people specifically in what was at that time called the West. So we're thinking of like Appalachian to Mississippi. Um, so the, what is now sort right. of the Midwest um, or parts of the South, Kentucky, 
that those areas. Um, so indigenous people had been uh, removed sort of further and further west. Um, and what's happening is there's still like, this is a period of um, what in the U.S., the history still calls it, but what they termed at the time, the Indian Wars. Um, and they spread very quickly across the entire continent um, as uh, Euro-Western settlers move across the continent and you manifest destiny and that whole deal, um, especially in the early 1800s, yeah. just like poof, blew right across. I mean, the, the Ameri America... Uh, as we think about it now was pretty much settled by white people by the like 1840s. You know, we have like this idea that like the U S was going to spread right. from sea to shining sea by the 1840s. Um, yeah. And indigenous people were like, what? <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and I mean, <laughs> yes, this is, we, we have to, when we think about like what this destabilization felt like for them, we have to think about it as people living through a genocide. Uh, it was systematic yeah. removal and raiding and murder. It was awful. And what happens in um, quite a few communities is that you have the rise of profits um and there's like quite right. a f quite a few of these guys um and they're there's like different things that they're talking about specifically but a sort of like general um idea threads through all of them and that's essentially that like indigenous people need to like and specifically within their community so you know like seneca people or lakota people or whoever like we need to yeah. stand up for ourselves we need to not have anything to do with these crazy white people anymore um and like we need to go back to our culture the reason this is happening to us is because like we've turned our backs on the creator and the like balance of spirits and uh, so the world is turning on us and we need to go back to our traditional ways and balance will be restored and these crazy white people will leave. Um, and this right. is like more complicated than we might think of it because we don't think of at least like from like settler history we're not often told about how uh, sort of syncretic indigenous society was. You know, once if you, a lot of North American indigenous societies were um, matrilineal. So you joined the family through your, you joined oh, the community okay. through your mother. So if a white man married an indigenous woman, yeah. um, the children would be, indigenous they would not be considered part of the right that uh settler community they were you know seneca or whatever right. um yeah for a lot of them i am not totally sure about the seneca specifically but uh for for a lot of these communities um yeah but and so you had especially with like 
white traders who would go out west to bring goods and stuff, they often did marry into the communities with whom they were trading. Um, so this would have involved, like, these preachers, were, these prophets were standing up and saying, like, you need to leave your husbands, um, possibly depending on who it was, possibly the children, and especially any, like, livestock or agricultural type animals that you had that like were symbols of this like white community so um certain types of cattle cats in particular uh a lot of the prophets had issues with like cats and keeping cats they didn't want women to keep their cats anymore uh yeah that was real sad for me to read (laughs) um but yeah so it was like just turn like just completely separate yourself from this settler uh, culture. So, like, that was going to be really, really complicated. Um, And there was also a sort of crisis at this time of people converting to Christianity or saying they were converting to Christianity. I think we've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, Yeah. And so what happens is these... The prophets, in their teachings... uh, while they're talking about going back to traditional teachings, right? These aren't teachings that are written down. Um, so they can't turn back yeah. and be like, we're going to go back to a literal interpretation of the Bible. You know, like there's not that yeah. to turn to. So no matter what, this culture has been influenced by Euro Western settlers. Um, and the religious indoctrination that said settlers have tried to force onto those communities has affected the way that the prophets talk about things. I mean, even in the fact that they're calling themselves prophets, right? Um, yeah. And so, like, the culture of ideas of like evil witches specifically of female witches um and that the witches were outsiders from the community and not those who had used their power to who had used their magic to gain power that was like the outsiders and the people who were like subverting the norms that those were the witches that is as heavy influence from these uh European cultures and what we have then is like when a community has a community was drawn in by the prophets um and I don't want to like talk about them like it's a a cult or anything like this is somebody trying to preserve their society in the face of a genocide right uh this the the way that it's sort of written about in history makes it a little hard to talk about it without it making sound like Hansel Blake showed up in the Seneca village and like conned them all into like moving to Jonestown or something. That's not what's going on. When the community has decided to follow the teachings of, for example, in Seneca, Hansel Blake, um, who was one of these prophets, uh, the people who were pushing back against that, who maintained any of these, like, new cultural uh, trappings, Um, if they were somebody on the borderline of that society who 
you know, people maybe didn't like very much or was suspect in some way, especially if they were a woman, like they would be treated as a witch. Um, and yeah. sometimes like burned to death with, you know, because like the fire, fire is cleansing, um, things like that. It, there weren't, you know, in comparison to Europe, right? There weren't like mass numbers, but it is so much later. And in a, a few cases, um, specifically in, in New York, the U.S. state tried to intervene and be like, you can't be killing people for being witches. Uh, so this is like in the, the yeah. mid uh, 19th century. They're like, you can't be trying people as, as witches. And the indigenous people are like, why not? And they're like, because witches aren't real. <laughs> And uh, then the indigenous people are like, but you told us about the the witches and you about the magic. It was like, we got this from from you. And like, there's like baffling documents yeah. that are just hilarious where they're like, and they, one, they're like attesting to the fact that they are a sovereign nation and the u.s has no rights to say yeah. what they can try their people for at all um but also that like the idea of trying someone as a witch in that manner came from the europeans yeah. and they're just like you can't like just like come back and tell us that like no we don't do that anymore um and the u.s was just like oh man we don't know what to say to this it is a really <laughs> weird back and forth um but yeah, so um, the one of the most uh, well-documented cases of witch crazes uh, in indigenous societies was with the Seneca, um, who are part of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy and um, had a strong culture of witch belief before. And then they, a prophet called Handsome Link arose within the society um, and they had, you know, a little witch craze. Um, there are a few others um, among the Delaware and a couple of others. And then there's a strong history of um, witch trials in um, what's now Latin America uh, with the Spanish accusing indigenous people of being witches. But that has its own whole huge complex history. Um so I just wanted to sort of touch on a couple of the ways that, like, since we talked about all the different witch beliefs that sort of, like, converge in North America, how they sort of come about to create these, like, witch phrases where a lot of people are said to be witches and um, are tried and possibly executed for being a witch. And yeah, and also that like some of the the latest uh, witch trials in like what we talk about as like the Western or industrialized world happened in the mid nineteenth century in North America. Well, that's <laughs> that's delightful to know. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. It's not like it's not like a fun time. I don't even know what to say. Uh, No, it's definitely not. And I think it's also very, like, I have to, like, check my own biases here because, you know, even though I'll go on and on about being, like, 
uh, just because, like, you know, like, society doesn't actually progress in this perfectly linear fashion where, like, everything's getting better all the time, but I'm still, like, surely by, like, the year 1800, all the witch burnings were done? Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, no, no, you were wrong about that. It's just, it's sort of, it's interesting to see, to look at things like this and see how humans react to things that they believed firmly being sort of pulled out from under them. Um, and I think that's part of why, like, I feel like looking at which trials right now is kind of pertinent not because not because i think like in the you know way that it's used so often as you know in like the vein of the crucible where it's like oh this is just a witch hunt not like that in the way that like yep yeah i mean can i just a uh, quick quick aside <laughs> if you are a like wealthy, powerful person who is being held accountable for your abusive or otherwise violent actions, you don't get to call it a witch hunt. Witch hunts were all about going yeah. after, like, vulnerable, marginalized people. So, you yeah. know, that's, that's Unless, not okay. Unless, of course, it was pre-contact do um, indigenous witch trials, which were very, very rare. And it was a manner of holding uh, someone account yes. for their abusive actions. Uh. <laughs> okay, fine. If you are but again later, the you influence are to use it that way. Colonial America did I have guess. a significant effect. But, but I think it's interesting to look yes. at the things that we find, like you know, uh, like with the conspiracy communities, where we're like, why? does someone think this you know uh like on any of them there's like a whole slew on all sides yep. of everything there's like weird conspiracy things going on but like why why are we believing this why is this community rising up around it and it's really a way of creating something to firmly hold onto and believe in i think in a way that mirrors um these the witch crazes of europe and early america where it's like so, something yeah real and foundational to how you experience the world as a society and community has been sort of torn away right and either that's you know your idea yeah. of how influential white supremacy should be or you know whether or not your country is as democratic as you were brought up to believe it was or whether or not capitalism is a good idea you know all of these things that like permeate our society that we're now seeing sort of fall apart and destabilize it uh i think are it's yeah. not like a, a perfect comparison but I do still find it really interesting, especially when we look at like the U.S. in particular because of uh, the role that religion can play because it's such a, a like in terms of, um, you know, Western industrialized societies, it is an incredibly devout society. Um, I think it's, I just think it's something interesting to like look at and consider yeah. when, um, 
you know, we're thinking about like, how could this happen in America? It's like, well. Yeah, if I see one more tweet that's like, this is not who we are, I'm like, I've seen yeah, the same yeah. thing every yeah. every other month, I'd say. <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm pretty sure this yeah, is who so, you are. Like, I'm sorry, yeah, it was fam. just like a weird thing when I was like reading. Hate to break it to um, you. Reading about these early witch trials and I was like, you know, thinking about the destabilization and the... I mean, now it's on, like, this very global level. It's not, like, New England is being torn apart. It's more like, you know... Yes. The whole world feels like it's being torn apart. But, yeah, yeah, that kind of destabilization can lead to, like, people to make some very drastic actions. Well, on that cheery note... uh, We'll be back next week with hopefully something happier. Stay safe. Do good work. And uh we'll we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. to see And when I look in my window So many different people to be That it's strange So strange You got to pick up every stitch You got to pick up Every stitch You got to pick up Every stitch mm-hmm. Must be the season Of the wind